The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. G'day, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perro columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. We're off to West Africa today, specifically Mali. Now we all know West Africa is a bit of a a hot spot for uh, gold production and uh, new mine developments and M&A activity, etc., etc. And on the ASX, it's well represented with uh, companies like West African Resources, Perseus, Resolute Mining, which is uh, in Mali itself, and more recently, uh, Tito. Investors uh, from that crop can be taken that uh, they tend to be uh, low-cost, large-scale and attractive uh, propositions. Some investors have issues with West Africa, but uh, as I said, the production history from those companies shows that while there might be regional and local turmoil sometimes, the gold mines keep going. So with that, I'm going to introduce Tubani Resources. It's come to us from Canada, listed on the ASX last year, has a long history in Mali with a project called Kabata, which is a 3.1 million ounce resource. Lots to like about it, but uh, at this stage, uh, the market is just warming to the idea that uh, it's things are being revved up there uh, to get this uh, project into what could be West Africa's next gold mine of scale. Market cap is currently around $20 million. Uh, stock uh, has been on the march in the last couple of days, moving up to $0.20 cents a share. And that's because it's released a a plan to optimise the DFS it put out on the project in 2021. So optimisation tells us that what they said back in 2021 um, is going to be improved on. So to give us a feel for just how much that might be, we have Phil Russo, the CEO and Executive Director of the company with us today. G'day, Phil. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Barry. Thanks for having me. I think we've covered enough there about the, the move from Canada for the company. Um, you're new to the company yourself. Just uh, when did you start up? What attracted you to the company? And uh, what's been the action plan since you joined? Yes, I joined uh, six months or so ago. Uh, it's interesting. Everything is new in this company, uh, not just myself. So board down, uh, the strategy, the technical team, our, our listing, you know, the company has undergone a complete refresh. And so what's, what's uh, excited me uh, most about uh, this opportunity is I see really, really deep value, uh, clearly, but also sort of multiple ways for investors to win. And I guess that's underpinned because when we're trading it almost like we have no ounces in the ground, at, you know, $3 an ounce. With a DFS level project, there's a heck of a lot of upside here if we uh, can execute a, a few things. And I think, yeah, that's what yesterday's announcement was about is that we've now got a clear path in where we can unlock a significant amount of value in this project. And so I think, um, yeah, the market's starting to recognize that. So, Phil, if you could just uh, give us a snapshot of what that 21, uh, 2021 DFS said and what. What are the key areas being attacked in this uh, optimization work? Yeah, so that 21, uh, 2021 DFS put out 100,000 ounces a year, 
for 10 years at all in sustaining costs of 970 US. And so we are, that's our baseline. That was using a 3 million tonne mill. And what we're um, attacking, as you say, is essentially trying to better those benchmarks. And we're not here to just better it 10%, you know, in, in terms of increase of production or even 20%. We think there's a step change. There is a step change here in what this project will look like uh, as we pursue this DFS. So we're looking for production rates much higher than 100,000 ounces a year. We're looking to bring our costs down, and I'll talk to you about why we think we can do that, um, and bring them down meaningfully. And I think you know your opening um, introduction there referred to um, some of the bigger cap producers. And if you look at those companies, what's underpinning their production? And they've got these wide margin assets that are generating them lots of cash. And the new board and management want to put forward an asset here that can do just that, and that is a wide margin asset. So we have a saying here, it's margin before grade, because we know we've got a low grade deposit, but our ore is soft. It is as soft as it can get, and we want to leverage that to create a low cost project. And if we can hit the benchmarks on scale and then hit it on costs, the economics can only be strong uh, on that basis. And so um, that's what we're, we're the, the overarching strategy for this is. Interesting because the uh, 2021 uh, DFS key metrics uh, were none too shabby anyway. But having said that, this optimization slide, what are the key areas you, you see changes coming through that will get that 100,000 plus gold production? Yeah, so three key areas that we're, we're lasering in on as part of that DFS update. Firstly, it is throughput rates. So like I said, it's a 3 million tonne mill for a, a one gram deposit, call it. Experience has told me that to really get your economies of sta- scale going at a, on, on a low grade deposit, you, you, you need throughputs. You, you're better served with throughputs on a, on a risk basis higher than that. And so this study will look at throughputs meaningfully, significantly higher than 3 million tonnes a year. And so that will help drive our processing costs lower, firstly. Uh, secondly, we are focused on our mining configuration and, uh, and, and fleet size. So the previous study, again, used 55-tonne trucks uh, and 120-tonne excavators. We're looking to move to more conventional um, uh, fleet configuration here of 100-tonne trucks, 777s, and 200-tonne excavators. And with that size fleet, we can drive our mining costs on a per-tonne basis significantly lower as well. So that's the second way we'll, we'll, we will uh, you know, change the look of this project. And then thirdly, in the 2021 DFS, we have a modest amount of inferred ounces in there, around 280,000 ounces that have been classified as waste. And so as part of this DFS update, we will focus on de-risking that deposit further and drilling these inferred ounces out and moving those ounces from waste to ore will you know, that brings your stripping ratio way down. And so these are all things that we will investigate with a lot of rigour in the upcoming DFS. But clearly, for, we have been looking at that for the last six months as part of our uh, decision to undertake this work. And so we really got a growing level of confidence that those changes will have a meaningful impact 
uh, on the end result. If you do those three things on the processing side, on the mining side, and on the on the inferred side, you, you add those all together, you can see why we're pretty excited about where this is going. And do you have a, a, a feel for a timeline on delivery of the optimised DFS? Yeah, so because we've got such a great level of work already completed, this is not uh, a lengthy period to rebadge this project. And so we are targeting by the end of the year to update the market with an updated DFS. We're currently... Uh, in the market talking to tier one engineering groups um, who are submitting proposals as we speak uh, to complete that leg of work. So we're we're hopeful that in rapid time here, not too far away, this project will be repositioned. And one of the benefits of the uh, previous work at the project, I think um, I read there was $110 million sunk into the project so far anyway. So that, I guess, gives you a bit of a, a launch pad to move things along fairly quickly towards a uh, final investment decision. I know it's early days, but do you have a feel for that when that might happen? Yeah, so like that's, that's a great point, right? That's another advantage of this company. You're a 20 mil market cap company that inherited $110 million of sunk investment into the deposit. Like it has 150,000 metres of drilling already in this deposit. It is open at depth. So we... Um, what I tell investors is if you buy Tabani's stock today, I'm not gonna, we're not gonna dilute you significantly with a construction decision while our market cap is here. The company is really focused on getting the re-rate the asset deserves. And I think the decisions we're making here are about gaining that re-rate in the market, gaining the belief in the market about a project that we have here. And then that FID decision is parked for um, the beginning of 2025. But clearly, if our market cap is moving and the world changes, that decision, we are ready to be brought forward. Like I haven't mentioned it yet, but this is a permitted project. And so that that the, 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 the gap between study completion and FID can be as fast as you like in some respects uh, because we're, we're a permitted project. But we will, we will take... Uh, We'll take really calculated decisions in that regard because we're here for the re-rate and then, and then, and then the construction will happen thereafter. Now, in the 2021 DFS, the CapEx cost was uh, quite low in itself. The changes you're contemplating obviously imply higher CapEx, but you expect much greater MPV, much greater IRR, those sort of things. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something to really pick, you know, laser in on again. And that is because we are a soft rock dominant project, mm-hmm. it can be capital lean, capital efficient upfront. So in our slideshow, we talk about our process from mining to milling versus a typical operation. And we don't have the drill and blast phase of the, of the, uh, of the mine to mill. And we don't have the crushing, uh, Phase. We only have a single stage of crushing, so we can reduce our capex upfront significantly, oh, meaningfully. Um, and so, again, that capex to production cash flow reward is what we're always conscious about. You know, if you put a dollar into this, into capital, how much cash do you get back? Mm-hmm. And, we're, and those sorts of metrics were really, um, you know, particularly the board is focused on. So we think we can have a really capital efficient project that will deliver a significant production, low-cost project. I'm just wondering, often we see, no different to Western Australia really, open, shallow open pit operations, um, 
move into uh, they hit some primary uh, material much higher grade is that a temptation or are you putting that aside until you get this uh, enlarged project up and running on the oxides when i say we've got an oxide dominant project here we're, we're talking like the first six seven years of just pure oxides yeah. shooting through your mill free dig yeah. no uh, no drill and blast um you can't find a project that is oxide dominant doing that type of production rate for that long in the sector. I'm like, I'm not aware of it. And so that's our advantage to get this project off the ground. And then there's a wealth of opportunity later in the mine plan to be blending oxides with hard rock, which we call it fresh rock. But I would just say about our fresh rock, our fresh rock is moderate hardness. So versus some of the deposits you see in WA, um, they got really abrasive hard rocks here. Even our fresh rock is uh, of moderate hardness there. So we're, we're again we're a free milling deposit across all all, all types here. And so down the road, we've as a company, uh, you know, has a more improved uh, drilling budget. We we are open at depth, and depth is only 150 meters down, and then we're in the fresh rock. Uh, that is still, uh, there's much more ounces in that deposit uh, to be found. Um, so both there and regionally, we've got, there's more gold here. West Africa, can't talk uh, about uh, operations in West Africa without looking at um, the politics and uh, security issues that uh, seem to dominate the thinking of investors. Having said that, I did mention that West Africa resources, Perseus, Resolute Mining, uh, those mines have continued on in Resolute's case for decades. You're in um, South Mali. Mali's had its issues. I think there's been three coup d'etats there over 10 years or so. But there is a, a pathway agreed now to uh, return to democracy, as it were. I'm just what can you tell us about operating in uh, southern Mali? Yeah, I, I find that the uh, rhetoric outside the country doesn't match what's happening in the country. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, through all those coups that you referred to, and, you, and not just in Mali, but through other the other West African countries, mm. the mines continue to operate, right? Through all that, through the ups and downs of West Africa, the mines continue to operate. And so Mali has a really mature um, uh, mining industry. Like we have no expats on site. We've got some great long um, tenured fellows there, uh, geologists on site that do a great job. Um, but like I said, we've got our permits in place um, Mali just had some sanctions uh, lifted yesterday. Um, they had a referendum on a draft constitution a few weeks ago. Um, so they're trending in, in the right direction in my mind. Like they are, um, you know, West Africa, they've all got sorts of issues. But as an investor, are you compensated for that risk? I think you well and truly are on our stock uh, today. Um, but I would also say that, you know, Mali's, because of its long history, um, you know, it's it's kind of noise at this at the at the surface, but under there we are in um we're only two hours from Bamako and 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 we um we we operate unaffected by all, all this other stuff that you read. And you yourself, your professional background includes experience in West Africa. Yeah, so I used to work uh, for Perseus for a period, and then before that, I was at Barrick, some of its Tanzanian mines are there. Um, but I've you know worked in North America there in the investment banking side and. And also had a stint at some you know, Australian gold producers as well. So, you know, almost twenty you know, over twenty years experience here, and I'm, you know, complimented by um, 
a bunch of technical guys who have you know got 30 years of experience in West Africa as well and have a good uh, finger on the pulse of what's what's going on there. And then Mark Streisek, who just joined our board, you know, he was ex Tieto, and uh, you know he took it from a similar sized company there to um, you know an 800 million dollar market cap company. So his counsel and guidance so far, having just joined the board, has been you know, invaluable. Our board overall is is just very strong. So that's why. We're excited as well. Just a, a curiosity point for me, um, I'd always assumed that Canada was the lead market for uh, West African golds, but I guess the success we've seen with West African resources, Perseus, etc., Toyota, um, is it the ASX now the sort of main market for uh, West African exposure? Yes, I, I lived in uh, in Toronto for, for 10 years, um, just with my, my barrack experience there. Mm-hmm. Married a Canadian. Um, I think that that exchange is changing uh, a lot. I think the Australian market is just um, has more uh, more understanding of of West Africa. I think uh, increasing. There's still a wealth of funds over there that uh, un- understand West Africa, but generally, um, I don't know. I think uh, the level of apathy in in the TSX is at, at its highest. Um, there's not as many resource funds there as there used to be, and so it's just harder for these junior guys up there to get um, get off the ground. Whereas I think the Australian the Australian audience here uh, you know, sort of has a better appreciation of uh, what's happening. We're not uh, hooked on marijuana stocks here, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you had an interesting. I mentioned that the stock had uh, since you announced the optimization today. The stock has uh, performed strongly, twenty cents today, and in a. And I also mentioned your EV resource, $3 an ounce, you're, compared with your peers of $17 an ounce. And we've had that quite a lot of activity, maybe 10, 10 or so sizable acquisitions in that West African market in recent times at $55 an ounce. So how do you keep ahead of being taken over on the cheap, if you know what I mean? Oh, it's a great question. And I think that's the balancing act we've got. I guess the best defense is a high, high share price. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're not here to sell this thing for 100% premium today for 40 million bucks, <laughs> especially if we've got an asset of scale and of significant mine life with a low margin, uh, with a high margin and low cost. Um, that's not what we're here. The, the potential with time, yeah, that's all I sort of ask from the market is give us some time. We've been delivering so far this year and we'll keep delivering. Um, there's a there's a significant value uh, pro- proposition here, but we've you know we need to get our share price up and get people um, you know to 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 uh, come along the journey with us. Um, but yeah, that as we start to talk about this asset in a different light, which is everything I've said today. Are things that have never been really spoken about about this asset. Um, that's a testament to the new people involved in the new vision. And as we talk about those sorts of scales that we think we've got, clearly we're going to get interest um, because, like I said, I think we're a differentiated asset in the market, oxide dominant of scale. Um, but we're, we're only going to do things on the corporate side that um, you know realise the full value in Kabata. Well, Phil, then if you could just bring it all together for investors and give them an idea what they should be looking out for in the next six months or so. Yeah, so we'll have some more exploration results in the coming weeks. Um, we will move in, we'll appoint an engineer, we'll have resource drilling 
uh, in the deposit. We'll have regional drilling underway on some of our other uh, tenements, uh, all culminating in uh, or feeding in to an update of the DFS targeted by the end of the year. So that's a that's a rapid timeline towards a rebadging of a project uh, that we've been talking about um, uh, this morning. So we'll be busy on the news flow front and we'll be talking with growing confidence and conviction on what we've got here now that we've been in the chair for for six months and got a clear line of sight on where we need to go to unlock the value. Okay, Phil, great stuff. Uh, thanks for your time today. It's exciting to have a another uh, ASX uh, gold company in uh, West Africa, one on, and this one on the fast track, becoming uh, well, that region's next uh, gold producer and uh, a bigger one uh, at a bigger scale than originally planned as recently as 2021. So with that, we'll be watching with interest. Thanks for your time today. Good luck with it all. Thanks a lot, Barry. Thanks. Cheers. Everybody.